0: Daily Faceoff
3: podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs bondi
2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 5, Episode 18 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. I am your host, Brock Segan, and we got Dylan D. Berthium here with me today. No Beebs bondi he is currently heading towards New York or He's Pittsburgh. In York. He's in New York and then New heading to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just New York. When's he going to Pittsburgh? Is he going to Pittsburgh soon? I don't think He I told think. me he bought like a shitload of Steelers jerseys. Him and his buddies are going to the Steelers. game. No, because the. That must be after. It's in the, New York, Yeah, I think. Oh, it's in New York? Yeah. Oh, so they're seeing the Steelers. Yeah, in, and they might They're
1: wearing go, Steelers jerseys in New York? Hold on, we can that's, verify. That, that this, seems terrifying. They might go to the Leafs game tomorrow, too, because the Leafs are at MSG tomorrow.
2: Nice, nice. I, I saw a tweet today. I can't even remember who it was. So story. Now yeah, that The Steelers a, are
1: playing the Jets. Oh, my God.
2: They're going to get beat up. Murdered, probably. <laughs> um, I I uh, saw a tweet today. This guy was walking around Winnipeg. Like, whoever. I can't remember even. Somebody from Chicago, uh reporter, was like, oh, my God, I always thought this place was in New York, and it was just a building, and on the side of it, it just said Madison Square. He's <laughs> like, nice. I, I thought this was always New York. But <laughs> All right, uh, so it's just me and Dee today. Uh, we are going to get right into things here. Uh, what we're going to do is, instead of buy low, sell high...
1: want to talk about Taylor Hall? Oh, yeah, Taylor Hall. <laughs> you want to talk about
2: Taylor Hall? Yeah, let's talk about Taylor Hall. So uh, Taylor Hall, obviously involved in... A massive trade. We have obviously been speculating about this happening for for weeks. Uh, a bit of a heavier return than what Taylor Hall got the first time he was traded. I would say I would say like a little bit heavier for sure. Uh, depends was, on how you value. Uh, wasn't a one for one this time. A top four defenseman. But uh, yeah, so obviously Taylor Hall got benched and. Trades seem to be imminent. Uh, it was funny actually because earlier that day I was he got like
1: scratched for the
2: for precautionary reasons. Yeah, I for two like games. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, well scratched for two games because yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. something was kinda imminent. Precautionary. Um but I was on the DFO boards and somebody's like, Why do I feel like we're just gonna be sitting around with Taylor Hall and like he's not gonna get dealt till February? And then like two hours later, it's like breaking. I think Hall's on his way to Arizona and then he was. Yeah. So it uh, sounded
1: like they thought uh, they'd be able to leverage Arizona's offer a little more than they actually could and no one ended up really beaten uh the coyotes original offer so they just went back to it and took that but it was interesting because they played arizona and colorado it was back-to-back i think right or it was the two games on the weekend anyway uh
2: yeah they weren't back-to-back i don't think i think what it was like friday those, those, sunday
1: yeah those are the two teams that uh were speculated to be the front runners in getting taylor Hall, very so, interesting
2: yeah well because um they played airs like or like i think they played arizona the first game or whatever and then yeah. he he was like i got For to Played Arizona one of the games, and he's like, I got to like actually like pre-scout the team and like kind of see what like Arizona was all about before I even got traded there. Uh, kind of keep an eye on what they were doing. Uh, yeah, but anyway,
1: wasn't playing, so we had a lot of free time.
2: Yeah, you got to pre-scout. Uh, so the full trade was the Coyotes acquired Taylor Hall and Blake Spears from the Devils, um, and then they traded Nick Merkley, Nate Schnarr, Kevin Ball. A 2020 first-round pick, which is like kind of conditional. It's actually just top three protected, so not conditional really at all. And, not in the traditional NHL. Game. Yeah, exactly. And a conditional 2021 20, third-round pick. Um, but that third-round pick can become a first-round pick. Um, the conditions on it are, one, if Taylor Hall resigns and two, if the Coyotes win a playoff round. Uh, If one of those happens, it becomes a second-round pick. If both of those happen, it becomes a first-round pick. So it could be two firsts uh, and three prospects for Taylor Hall. Uh, Just a quick backstory here on kind of the prospects that New Jersey got. Uh, Nick Merkley was a 2015 first-round pick, 30th overall. Is he related to Ryan? I I think so, but I don't know for sure, Uh, so don't quote me on it. But he has 16 points, 3 goals, 13 assists, 26 AHL games uh, at the time of the trade. He's appeared in one career NHL game. Uh, Schnarr was a third-round pick, number 75 overall in 2017, turned pro. This year, after four years with the Guelph Storm, uh, 20-year-old center uh, has nine points in 22 AHL games with Tucson this year. And then Kevin Ball was a second-round pick in... Uh, 2018. He is 19 years old, 20 points in 28 games with the Ottawa 67's of the OHL, uh, and he's currently in uh, camp with Team Canada. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Ball is like six foot seven, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, just an absolute monstrous defenseman. Uh, it looks like he's going to be a second or third pairing defenseman for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So, uh, just an absolute monster. I think it's a pretty good return all in all for Taylor Hall. Um, so far he's looked pretty good with the Coyotes. I know you didn't see his first game, um, but I, I was watching it. Uh, I, I he, sorry, Kevin Ball, 6'6", 229 at nineteen years old, just an absolute monster.
1: I don't think the Mercuries are brothers, by the way. One was born in Alberta. One's born in Ontario. Confirmed. Played uh, in separate junior leagues. So yeah, no thanks.
2: No, not related. Uh, so. Paul looks good in his first game with uh with the coyotes had one assist on the game winner to Oliver Ekman Larson uh, at one point, I was telling you he made a pass to Phil Kessel and like Kessel like like eyes got big and he was like, oh my God like I haven't seen a pass like this like from since I played with you know Malkin and Crosby mm-hmm. um which obviously wasn't that long ago but Tyler I, th- Bozak. I, yeah, I think <laughs> like obviously he uh. He has forgotten kind of what it feels like to play with elite talent. I mean, yeah. you know, no disrespect to the Coyotes, but Jake they, they, they've, they've been getting it done as a team this year. Uh, a really structured game is the way, and very good goaltending is the way that they've really climbed their way to the top of the standings. Yeah, strong strong line not, too, yeah stronger than <laughs> most teams. Yeah, most Jacob Chitrin, too. phenomenal. Ekman yeah. Larson's still really good. And the rest, you know, Demers,
1: golagoski can both eat minutes and, at a quality rate.
2: Yeah, Labushkin's played well. He's been t- yep. on the top pair uh, for a while now too. So uh, they've just been playing one structure game but now they add a, a you know a legitimate i mean this guy won mvp two years ago uh they had this is just a dynamic that they haven't had in, in a lot of time and uh I, since jr yeah this <laughs> i think they be, i saw a tweet uh, i don't even want to say it but i think they became like the well, first sh- team ever down, but- to trade for like three um former mvps I saw this tweet the other day. Probably night. doesn't happen that often. Well, no, yeah. Three of one roster. Like, it's it's wild. But uh, Or one team, sorry. But uh, let's just talk about kind of the fantasy implications of the trade from both sides here. Obviously, this really helps Phil Kessel. Uh, like I said, that pass that he got where his eyes were huge. He was just like, oh my god, I haven't seen a pass like this in forever. Uh, he actually missed the pass because he was just like so caught off guard by it. Right. Uh, but they did connect for a goal tonight. Uh, so they have a goal and assist in one period yes. on Thursday. So they've kind of uh, they've kind of shown some early chemistry. I really like. I picked up Christian Dvorak in two of my three leagues uh, that he was available in. Because I really like the potential. He's looked great this year. He's really solidified a top six yeah. role. Which was, I don't
1: know if he stays there in that
2: spot. Though. I don't. I don't I know for sure. Stepan but I mean, for, gets, for now, yeah. I I think it, it's it's been very obvious. Yeah, um, I think
1: Stepan would be a great fit there, though. Personally, I think so. I think so too. Yeah, because like Stepan's just a very strong two way player. It would make uh, the most sense. Yeah, he's great at getting out of his own zone, uh, and you know Hall, Hall uh, not so much as Kessel, but Kessel definitely is someone who can uh, struggle defensively if he doesn't have. Uh, a strong two-way player or two to help him get out of his own end. Um, otherwise he's going to need some cushy zone starts to really do a lot of damage at five V five. So I think Stepan makes a lot of sense to be in that spot. Cause obviously he's more of a facilitator too. Um, but both hall and Kessel are elite passers from the wing as well. So
2: yeah, that line, um, would struggle up against the elite of the elite kind yeah. of, uh, like lines you, like you you're go going up, up against the, Kopitar yeah. and stuff like or Bergeron you're going to struggle even the uh, but they Dino, have been Gallagher kind of reluctant to give um step on these these high-end minutes early in the season uh or like in recently in the season I mean he's been kind of relegated to like a third line role as of late so it would be it'll be interesting to see how long they give um well to- it's all
1: relative right because he still was playing with Keller who was arguably yes. Probably the team's best wing or second best winger aside from Kessel. Obviously. Third now, yeah. Um, before the trade, it's
2: very—it's just a very interesting trade to me because this team just suddenly becomes so much deeper. Like they look yeah. like having Keller Schmaltz on your second line is, is so I, good, regardless I love of move. who's that first line center.
1: I love the move, like not to to jump leagues, but obviously it kind of uh, reminds you of the Kawhi Leonard trade uh, that the Raptors made ahead of their run, like in the off season. But you mm-hmm. move a lot of quality assets for. Uh, no long term guarantee, right? Like Hall could very easily walk away at the end of the year. But, but if you win a championship, yeah. The he, Coyotes he love are him. looking at it like we can add a top ten player to our team right now. Why wouldn't we do that? I think ideally they would have added someone down the middle, because um, like you said, they are very deep on the wing and they have a lot of these tweeners like Schmaltz, like Dvorak, um, even Christian Fisher guys that can play the middle but are probably better suited to play the wing. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think like I said, ideally be. A, they would have added someone down the middle, and maybe they'll still look to do that uh, down the line. Those obviously dipped into their trade assets, but uh, Hall is an absolutely uh, great addition. Obviously, when you get a chance, like I said, to add a top ten player, uh, you don't really think twice about it. Especially when they didn't uh, really have to mortgage their future too much, and the conditions set it up nicely. Where uh, if they do end up paying a pretty, pre- uh, if they do end up paying a steeper price tag for it, uh, it's worth it because they either you know advance in the playoffs or they were able to lock Hall. Up long term, so
2: yeah, and like the one thing that's very interesting too is like they don't have to score a lot, their goaltending is so good, they play such a structured game, like we said, that now you know you're not really relying on Hall to go out there and post 100 points for them, like that's not what they're gonna need to to make the playoffs or to yeah, to make the playoffs or to advance the playoffs. They play a very good defensive game. Darcy Kemper plays, you know, seemingly one of the best goalies night in and night out, so you know, as long as they can rely on Hall, Kessel. Uh, Schmaltz, Keller, Ekman Larson, these guys to get the job done and put up 2-3 a night um, on most nights. That's enough for this team to win. So it yep. gives them a lot more offensive punch they can rely on. Um, but let's move over now to a New Jersey perspective. Uh, obviously losing a guy uh, of Taylor Hall's quality, of yeah. Taylor Hall's talent, decimates the lineup. Uh, we've seen Jesper Bratt move up and play first-line minutes without Taylor Hall. Uh, you know, I don't need to tell you that Jesper Bratt is not Taylor Hall, uh, but this opens the door for guys like Blake Coleman, who we've seen his shot volume has been tremendous this year. Um, if you're in banger leagues, I think Blake Coleman is suddenly a guy that is, uh, maybe not suddenly, I mean, I'm not in many banger leagues, so maybe he was already on your radar. But um, Blake Coleman's a guy with that kind of shot volume that can do something with you know the, the high-end minutes that he gets. Doesn't see uh, any power play time, though. But the one guy to me that really uh, benefits from this is Nikita Gusev. Uh, I've t- we've talked about Gusev on this show before about how he is among the best in in terms of points per 60 so far this season. Uh, Kind of had a hard time finding his way into the lineup on a regular basis early in the season. Uh, But even before Hall was traded, he slowly started to see more regular minutes. He started to see top six minutes. And now with Taylor Hall out of the picture... um, there's was no question that Goosev is kind of this top six player that we thought he was going to be coming into the season. Uh, you know, dominated the KHL last year, so I think Gusev is one guy that it, um, should definitely be picked up in a lot of leagues. Uh, the Devils have looked better since the coaching change, so Goosev is a guy that's absolutely interesting to me. And then obviously, still he's sure Palmieri should still be fine uh, as a duo without Taylor Hall. Yeah. It's just not quite as good.
1: Yeah, I actually think Palmieri it could actually help him if it because he mm-hmm. could uh, actually have to shoot the puck more. So we could see a bit of a spike in shot volume. He's probably going to play a little bit more too, uh, because all of a sudden he's probably the clear cut, I guess, most reliable winger on this team. I do like Usev a lot. It's interesting because um, he's definitely been a bit of a flop from, uh, I guess, what the highest hopes were. His upside heading into the season.
2: Like some people drafted him probably, you know, in the top 100 this year. Yeah, expecting big things. We talked
1: about it in the preseason. Like his numbers in his last few years in the KHL very similar to Artemi Panarin before he came over. So. Uh, There was obviously a lot of hype around Gusev. He's been disappointing uh, to an extent, but uh, he's, like you said, been very productive um, per 60, and he's got 15 points in 30 games. So he's half a point a game while playing just 13 minutes a night. So obviously, um, if if he starts to see a little bit more ice time and uh, moves up the lineup, there's a lot of upside there. I agree. I I think he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's got to be disappointing for Devils fans, though. I mean, they made all these moves in the off season.
2: Oh, everybody like thought they <laughs> were going to win the cup. Like, yeah. Well, they, we they bring up like, PK Subban. I saw it today was literally last yeah. in the NHL in in uh, goals against per yeah, goals above replacement. Like, yeah,
1: I think you got to respect Ray Shiro for what he did too, because he clearly made uh, some moves in the off season, which were all about contending this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, you know, the team struggled out of the gate, and he just kind of called the spade a spade and said, "I, you know, you got to pull the trigger on Hollett. It was surprising that they did it this early, but they just got off to of such a bad start that there was really uh, Hall just, no coming back. So yeah.
2: even the comments from Hall, Hall just really didn't seem happy in New Jersey. There was just it seemed like there was basically no chance ever that he was even
1: Well, I think he was happy when he won the Hart
2: trophy. Well, yeah. But like this like he was like so relieved it seemed like in his comments, like to kind of get out of New Jersey after well, it was all It's, I, it's more, a distraction thing too this year. Like, well, it's I tough. just think
1: it's more that uh, he obviously at this point in his career is dead set on playing for a winning team, right? Cause did you, well, yeah. Did you see the won, one? Got what one or two playoff appearances? In his literally,
2: career. I think it's five career playoff games. And they asked him about it. He's like, I can remember every single playoff game I've ever appeared in in my career in detail. Like yeah. it's been there, that's been so few of them that yeah, like, I remember every game in but, detail. And he's like, yeah, in Fanners
1: to the Devils organization, like Hall and his agent had nothing but good things to say about the organization last year and how they approached his injury because yeah. uh, they could have rushed him back to the lineup last season and. and Instead, they kind of let him take his time and uh, put his long-term health first, which they definitely appreciated. and a lot of people thought it would bode well uh, for their chances of signing him long-term. But I think more than anything, Hall just, like I said, like you said, wanted to compete and wanted to be on a team uh, that really had a chance to make a run in the playoffs. And Arizona is that now with Hall.
2: Yeah, they they look like a team that can do some damage. Um, It was funny, before we move on here really quickly, it was just funny the day that it happened, the trade Twitter seemed like it was still like stuck in 2016 because everyone was just like, oh, lol, like Arizona. And I'm like, have you guys looked at like how good this team actually has been? Yeah. Like, they're good. Mm-hmm. This is really good for them. They've got legitimate talent, but people just still like nobody even really, you know, the casual hockey fan thinks that Arizona is just still, uh, you know, a bottom feeder in the NHL. Yeah,
1: but. the underlying numbers, like you said, are really strong. And obviously adding Hall uh, is only going to help that.
2: All right, let's move along here. We are going to start a new segment. Uh, Normally, we do buy low, sell high. Uh, What we're going to do is basically buy low, sell while you can. Uh, We're just going to run through a a large number of players that were drafted or ranked high in the preseason, and they've underperformed. Yeah. And we are going to discuss whether or not we believe – uh, these players have what it takes to bounce back, whether or not their underlying numbers suggest that it is yeah. entirely possible, or uh, basically we want you to take full advantage of their name value and trade them while you yeah. still and, can and, because and, uh, yeah. it's not going to get any better from here on out.
1: And just essentially reassess the fantasy value so you can kind of uh, decide where to go moving forward because I, I know a lot of these guys are, are probably been very frustrating uh, and you're maybe wondering whether or not what you're feeling is an overreaction or uh, whether you can wait these things out or if it's just time to move on. So,
2: All right, let's get to buy low or sell while you can. But before we do that, I just want to say that the daily face up podcast is brought to you by our friends at odd shark. And of course at the break, we will have our friends, the blue stones. Um, and at the end of the show, we will come up with some weekend streamers as well, but let's go to buy low or sell while you can. Let's start with Gabriel Landis cog. Uh, Landis cog obviously got off to a bit of a shaky start with the whole injury issue uh and even before that really didn't play that great but since returning to the lineup he does have three goals two assists five points in seven games so he's looked a little bit better since returning from the injury but uh gabe Landeskog for U D is he a buy low or sell while you can
1: um it's kind of a it's a tricky one. Uh it just depends what you can get for him. His shot production is down a bit, his ice time's down. Uh obviously a reflection of how deeper Colorado's roster is this season compared to last uh, just three power play points for Landeskog, and that's what you would really expect to change and improve moving forward. Uh, he was obviously hurt for a bit there. He's back on the top line now, uh, so I, I think he's going to be better than you know what he what he's currently produced at so far twelve points in eighteen games. But I don't think we'll see him get up over a point per game like he did last year. Uh, I think that was kind of best case scenario for Landeskog, um, you know, with, with the puck luck, just kind of uh, leaning his way a little bit, and obviously playing a little bit more last year. Uh, now that they've added some pieces like Kadri, Bierkowski, Donskoy up front, uh, not getting leaned on as heavily that top line as a whole. So um, not quite a point for game player, but I, I still think definitely a worthy fantasy or fantasy asset moving forward, uh, especially playing the left wing, not a terribly deep position. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think you could probably play it around a 30, 30 pace from here on out. So you just kind of got to leverage that against which offers you can get right now.
2: Yeah. Um, the one thing for me is that like he just he was never that great uh, last year. Obviously he was tremendous. He was never like that. I was never that interested in Gabe Landeskog. Like whenever I play Colorado one in DraftKings, like I n- almost never play Landeskog because most of the time the puck is on Ranton or McKinnon stick, uh, and he kind of just picks up these uh, secondary goals here and there. I mean, thirty four last year was just extraordinary, but the shot volume uh, is really what got him there, and the shot volume has completely disappeared this year. Uh, but Everybody loves ranting into McKinnon. Everybody loves Colorado 1. I think that this is an opportunity for you to try to cash in on the name value and maybe you know people look at his numbers and say well you know they're not that great but i mean still 12 and 18 they'll just look at those and be like well he was hurt you know he still plays with randon and mckinnon and we can really cash in and, yeah
1: and, and I, they, I think your best bet is probably to try to sell him to a mckinnon or randon owner for sure and uh, you know kind of people sell just it as a package deal minds. yeah
2: but yeah i just i'm never like last case to me was the best case scenario for landis kog i know my projections coming into this year had him um under 30 goals uh you know close but under 30 goals definitely under 70 points and uh the chances of him repeating that just seemed very slim and then now uh, after the yeah. injury after the I, start just there's not a whole lot to love about like th- there's no high end upside here where i think you can get somebody with a little bit higher ceiling than, than landis cog
1: yeah that, that's fair the only one thing i want to say is that you know obviously he was hurt so his sample size uh, obviously a little bit smaller than uh a lot of the guys we're going to be talking about here uh so the shot volume while it is concerning he's you know, you can't buy into it as much as you can of these guys that have played 35 to 40 games so far. So uh, well, he's I, up over just barely over two shots a game right now, and he was yeah. well over three shots last season. So uh, obviously it's concerning, but uh, I think you have to be a little more patient, I guess, is what I'm saying, than some of these other guys we're going to talk about that have uh, sample size is literally twice the size.
2: Yeah, I kind of looked at what he's done even since he's returned in the ice time that he's played and looked. And basically, uh, you can kind of expect almost, you know, 100. Right, but he and,
1: just got back up to that top line, too, right? Yeah.
2: So, but like for the full season, came back you could expect him to kind of be right around, uh, you know, let's say 110 shots the rest of the season, and then. We're looking at, you know, 16 goals maybe at the rest, through the rest of the year, which is still pretty solid given 22 on the year. But, um, yeah, just, I, I
1: think there's a good chance he gets significantly more shots than that, is what I'm yeah,
2: saying. Yeah, we could see the. It's last year was he, kind of an outlier, though, too. I mean, obviously that top line was just, you know, out of control uh, last year, but it was a bit of an outlier throughout the rest of his career. But
1: it was a return to what we saw earlier in his career. So it, <laughs>
2: remember when he was a rookie? He was yeah. God. Yeah.
1: So it, it was like more encouraging, right? But that's what I'm saying. at... I have a little bit more hope for Lannis Card turning around than some of the other, uh, the other guys on this list.
2: For sure. All right, let's move along here. We've got Alex DeBrincat from the Chicago Debrinkat. Blackhawks. Uh, DeBrincat has played, you know, on the third line recently. Uh, this was a guy that had 41 goals last year. Uh, just eight goals through 35 games so far this year, but. Like we say, it's very difficult for players, you know, to carry these extremely high shooting percentages. He shot eighteen point six percent last year, seventeen point two percent through the first two years of his career. We've seen that drop to eight point two percent. This is so reminiscent of Patrick what we Laine. saw out of Patrick Line. I like to a T. Yeah. But are you buying low or are you selling while you can with Alex Debrinkat right now?
1: Uh, well, his shot production and shot volume has always been a little bit stronger than Line's was the first few years of his career, right? So uh, I, I think obviously the lack of goals is you know due to the dip in shooting percentage. He's shooting at half the clip of what he did last year, less than half the clip, and it's still like not incredibly low, right? Like It's not a guy we would highlight as regression is due here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Debrincat, just like Line, is one of those players that is just so – difficult um to project long term after they just come in and uh, score at such a high clip because uh, you don't know if they're going to be one of those guys who sustains that over a long period of time yeah. or if you know obviously regression is going to catch up to them you see people like uh, jamie ben who shoots uh at, you know he's shot m- uh mid uh teen percent basically his entire career so it definitely happens uh but we see a lot more common guys like line a and now the Brinkat uh that eventually away from year to year exactly yeah so uh, what I would say about DeBrincat is the shot production is still very strong. On um,
2: well, pace for nine more shots than last year.
1: Yeah, and I, the concerning thing is 12.3 on-ice shooting percentage uh, suggests, you know, the, the uptake in assists we've actually seen from this year is probably unlikely to last. Uh, I don't love where he's at in the lineup right now, obviously. Um, but I, terrifying. I wouldn't be surprised he's back with Stroman Debr- uh, Kane before the end of the week or sometime early next week. Uh, I, I just think he's still a very valuable piece, especially with his position eligibility. Uh, but I think he's going to have a hard time getting to 30 goals this season with this slow start. Uh, he's on pace for just 19 right now. So uh, I think a 30, 35-goal pace from here on out is uh, certainly attainable for him. Uh, but it's tough to make the argument that all of a sudden he's just going to start scoring on 15% of his shots again. Yeah. I- you can't bank on it anyway.
2: They just... Did the like he, it's the exact same we see with Line. A. Like I, I have no really idea like what to say other than to compared directly to Line A. And we went through this and we tried to say is gonna bounce back. Like I remember coming into that year, I hated Line. A. Like I was like, There's no way. Do not draft, stay away from Line A and he had a bad year. But then it was so bad to the point where it was like, Okay, actually, yo, Line A, get Line. A. Like buy low on Line because it can't be this bad. Yeah. But it can. We saw like this elite shot all of a sudden fall off, and to me, the Blackhawks just aren't that good this year. We saw, I remember last year, how often me and you would play them on DraftKings because they were their power play was unstoppable. It's yeah. they just aren't the same offense this year. You know, Patrick Kane has been phenomenal, but outside of Patrick Kane, there hasn't been a whole lot to love in Chicago. Uh, they seem very kind of in between rebuilding and. Yeah, uh, well, the
1: Taze line has been a little bit better of late, but the power play obviously is the it, real concern. Gustafson's production has just disappeared with the success of that power play. Um, the one thing when you make the comparison from Dubrincat to Linea, uh has you know he's been a better playmaker since he came in the league than Linea. Line, a. line a was a lot more reliable. Definitely provide more assists on his goal scoring ability. Uh, of course, Linea is up over twenty assists already this season. Uh, probably a lot to do with yeah. fact one, he's playing more. Uh, Almost two minutes more a night than he did last season, and he's playing with Shifley and Connor at five. Playing, by the playing
2: with Mark Shifley instead of Brian Little is yeah. a big difference. <laughs> it's a big deal, and he's just
1: playing more, which we called for for a long time, right? We said all anything that gets offset in his shooting percentage uh, or any any regression he sees in his shooting percentage rather could be offset by an uptick in ice time, which we're finally starting to see from Lining. So that's encouraging as far as Line a, While we're touching on that, obviously he's been great this year, thirty-two points in thirty-one games. Mm. Uh, but this, you know, the slump—I uh, guess the third-year slump—we're seeing out of Brinkett. Uh, just screams Patrick Line, obviously. But the thing is, his playmaking, I think, is a little bit more reliable, so you can kind of stomach it a little bit more as he uh, kind of grinds through uh, the shooting slump. It's also worth noting, Line's percentage only dropped to, like, 12%, 11%, uh, which is still well above average, but it was below what we were Yeah, to break at
2: 8.2% is a little alarming. Yeah. Um, the one thing, though, too, before we move on to the next guy, is, you know, he's on pace for 229 shots, which is fine and dandy. That's a solid shooting percentage, but, I mean, or shooting volume... But if if small uptake would really help offset that, it's still not elite. It's solid, uh, and he's playing over eighteen minutes a night. So you'd like to see, um, you know, even a few more shots out of him on a night-to-night basis to try to help get him going. It's yeah, just it's, I, it's just it's been very.
1: I'd like to see them try him with Taves. We haven't seen it really since last season, uh, yeah. the start of last year. Uh, I think Taves is just a little bit stronger, uh, two-way five-e-five player than Dylan Strome is, and I think it'll probably afford to bring out more shooting chances.
2: I think they just love using that as kind of like just a shutdown kind of... Let's shut down the opponent's top line and hopefully Patrick Kane just outscores their... Yeah, but I mean,
1: if team. you got Debrinket off that line anyway, why not slide him up with sod tapes, right? I think,
2: to me, Kirby Dock is just like... They're just, they're just forcing Kirby Dock in that lineup so hard.
1: I think now they're trying to justify not sending him. like yeah. cause If he's playing fourth line minutes, you might as well... I don't know. It's kind of tough to say though, because does it doesn't really help a player's development if he's playing against NHL players, and then all of a sudden he goes back against uh, to playing against no, eighteen but
2: what, year let, olds? Why not let's let, send him to the World Juniors though? Like who cares? Like let him go to the World Juniors for but a that's what I'm saying. Is that really everybody? good
1: for his development to all of a sudden just playing in a much easier against much easier competition? I
2: like mean, this. for a couple of weekends to go, you know, win a medal and destroy everybody, I think like, that would help anybody. Maybe. Come back to the NHL with the most confidence ever. I don't yeah. think it's... Like, if you're going to keep on yeah, the happens NHL roster, if, let them go.
1: Yeah, but what happens if they lose, in, lose to Finland round one of the uh, elimination bracket and then, you know, all of Canada's disappointed? <laughs> well, <I laughs> That's mean, not a great spot to come back from. We've seen it in recent years. They're not invincible by any means anymore. The competition's got a lot deeper. Uh, so, I don't know. I, but I do think, like, it's interesting that they announced that he's not going... Uh to be loaned to the world junior team and then the next day or two in practice he's playing with the uh, break at. yeah. So they're trying to justify it is what I'm saying. It just
2: it seems it seems forced into the lineup for me. All right, uh Jamie Ben, guy that you hated in the preseason guy that I, you know, thought had some bounce back potential. Uh seven goals, eight assists Looks in thirty five like games this year. Right. Um <laughs> who is the guy we I, I bet you against? I'm looking
1: it up right now, Brady Kachuk.
2: Oh yeah, Brady Kachuk's a lot. So bet. I'm
1: winning that bet, nineteen points. And
2: Ben's got sixteen. It's tight, it's tighter than uh, I would say Hey, you know what? New coach in Dallas. All of a sudden, Jamie Van Tyne and Rajal off together. We like that. Um, ben was already
1: on the top line before that. Uh,
2: yeah, but you think fucking what's his face? Jim Montgomery changed those lines way too much. It was ridiculous. But all right, let's, uh, let's rapid fire. <laughs> That's through the more next just two. you
1: don't appreciate that as doing your job. What you're not going to talk about Ben? I got to talk about Ben. Really no, quick.
2: no, we're going to talk about Ben. I rapid just, fire. It feels like you're couple. trying to
1: gloss over Ben here.
2: No, no, I don't want to at all. Let's go.
1: Uh, on pace for 206 shots. Certainly, this is what I wrote, won't be the bounce back player some thought he would be. <clears throat>
2: Who's that? <clears throat> I still think he's potential. I,
1: I still think he get back to around a 25 to 30 goal pace if his shooting percentage begins to regress sooner than later. Shooting mm. 8%. It's uh, not terribly low, but I mentioned it briefly earlier. He's never shot below 10.9% in a season across his 11-year career. Uh, so I think he's worth holding on to for the goal scoring abir- uh, ability. Ability? Ability? Freudian slip. Uh, but Ben is certainly light years away from the point per game player he used to be.
2: Oh, nobody thought he was going to be a point per game player. I
1: think somebody thought he might point be a point per game. Where look, did look, you look, th- he was 27 and like 25 last year. How much better did you think it was going to get?
2: I thought he was going to be sensational. There you uh, go. <laughs> he has played. We've seen a massive uptick in minutes uh, since. Uh, The coaching change, you know, know, almost a minute and a half over his season average, which I think will bode well for him because I think the one So he might get 54 points. Well, the one thing that I was very bullish on coming into the year was, like, the ice time. And he played a shitload in the playoffs. And I'm like, this is going to happen again in the regular season, but it seemed like, oh, you know, I thought Jim Montgomery's still an idiot. yeah, Um, And then he was still an idiot. So I think that you, like, to me... The way this roster was constructed, when you go out and you see Rupe Hints take this massive step forward, and you go out and you sign Joe Pavelski, and you sign Corey Perry, and you bolster this roster, to me, that screams, I did this to play Ben Segan and Radulov together and fuck up the rest of the league like Colorado does, like Boston does, like Toronto does. They load up these mm. top lines, and they just destroy teams... And let their depth try to figure things out. And when you add a Pavelski and and hints takes that next, that's the way this roster is built. And they just refuse to do it. This is they need to stick to this formula. And see how it goes because they play great defensively, because their bottom six is terrific. And they need to say, hints, Pavelski, you guys just go dominate yeah, the 2nd round team and just let let let's let Segan, Ben, and Radulov kill everybody.
1: Blue and Strong, they have great goaltending as much as anything. I I don't know. They, they had a lot of success doing that last year. So hopefully they get back to that, running Ben, Sagan, and Radulov together. Um, we'll get right into Joe Pavelski, uh, Ben's teammate. You just mentioned him. His shot volume is down, seven goals, eight assists in 35 games. His ice time is down uh, compared to what he was doing in San Jose last year. He's shooting well, uh, just below his career average. Uh, 8.4 on ice shooting percentage, right in line with what we've seen from him in his career as well. Uh, He's on pace for just 12 power play points. He had 29 last season. Um, So the change of scenery really seems to have been for the worst here for Pavelski. Uh, It could get better with the coaching change with Montgomery now gone. Uh, But for now, Pavelski remains off that top line. Brock's calling for that to continue. I think you could easily put Pavelski in there instead of Radulov, Uh, and it's still going to bode well for all three of whoever's on that top line. I still think Pavelski's worth holding on to in case he does move up the lineup, but I'd definitely be looking to move him uh, before the value diminishes any further. Although, as someone who owns Joe Pavelski right now, let me say it is very difficult uh, to get anything close to decent value out of him.
2: Yeah, um, so just to go back to Ben for a second, to me, uh, Ben would be a guy that I would try to stay patient with, uh, and Pavelski is a guy that I would try to trade because they just, they've seemed so reluctant uh, this entire season to... Even try him there. Uh, he's really hasn't seen more than a minute here and a minute there on that top line. Radulov has kind of been the staple, uh, and then when it's not Radulov, they seem uh, to try even Rupe hints between Segan and Ben, uh, or just fucking Joe Schmo. You know, maybe Matthias Yanmark or Justin Dowling or whoever uh, else they want. So uh, Jason Dickinson's another guy as well. You're right, um, but to me. Uh, Joe is a guy that you can try to move for something. Uh, at this point, though, I would hope maybe the coaching change kind of uh, helps Joe figure things out. Uh, you know, At least if he's playing on the second line. It's not the fourth line uh, where we've seen him play a lot this year. And yeah. he ha- was back on the top power play the other night. I don't know what they did up to power play tonight. But the other night they had Segan Ben Radulov, Klingberg, and Joe Pavelski, which is what we all want to see. Uh, whatever, maybe Miro Heiskanen, it doesn't matter. But those four forwards should be on the top power play unit together uh so it's almost his value is almost so low that i want to just wait and see what he if he can bounce back at all and if he doesn't just fucking drop him like at this point like i don't think you're getting anything for joe on the trade market
1: yeah it's tough because you know we talked about taking advantage
2: trade up for anthony duclair somebody might do it maybe i don't know nobody believes in anthony duclair except for us i don't think i
1: think anyone who recently picked up duclair isn't going to be wanting to move him too quickly Um, But yeah, we talk about taking advantage of the casual hockey fan, the casual fantasy hockey owner. um, But I think you have a harder time doing that when a player uh, changes teams and all of a sudden their production really falls off. I think it makes it really easy for people to make the connection that uh, maybe there's something more going on here. Yeah. Uh, but we'll move it right along. Uh, we can talk quickly about Phil Kessel. We talked about him earlier. Yeah. Uh, seven goals, 12 assists, and 36 games. Obviously, we both expect that to improve now. Buy
2: low candidate, but I don't think you can really buy yeah. low on him because. The real unfortunate
1: thing was oh, he was playing with Keller and Stepan at the start of the year. We talked mm-hmm. about how much we love that line. So good. They um, just refused to. Continue. Yeah, the on ice stream percentage uh, was just way too low. The puck luck wasn't bouncing their way. And unfortunately, they didn't wait it out. Kessel fell down the lineup, and it really took a toll on his production. Uh, But the Hall trade really does seem to have rejuvenated things. Now Kessel's moved back up the lineup. That power play production, you should hope, return close to what we saw in Pittsburgh. uh, Averaged over 31 power play points a season in his four years in Pittsburgh. I think he's on pace for about 25 right now. So still strong numbers from Kessel, but hopefully we see it uh, get back in line with what he did as a Penguin. Uh, You got anything to add? We can move it right along.
2: Yeah, no, just the only thing I would say is uh, that we did talk about earlier, like, Maybe there's potential for a Hall-Schmaltz-Kessel line. I mean, Kessel and Schmaltz seem to work well together. Obviously, I think their their yeah. plan is to keep Schmaltz and Keller together because they've played well, like well together. Like I said,
1: ideally, I, I think they just play with a stronger two-way center, I think Stepan's that guy. So I think it's only a matter of time. Maybe Brad Richardson if you're feeling crazy. The
2: one thing that I would say <laughs> about the Stepan thing is that like, I think it would work. Most teams would say, let's put... Um, Step on, on, kind of like kind of the same way that New Jersey uses Ajax. Yeah, you said put that. him with some checkers and make him yeah. kind My, of be a shutdown, but they have a like they have, the, Brad, they Richardson. have Brad Richardson, so yeah. they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. so you can put him on that top line and say, Hey, you know what, keep doing what you've been doing for 100 years. Yeah, I
1: just think if you have Schmaltz or Dvorak as the center, the line becomes a bit of a defensive liability, and you don't want to worry about that uh, with Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel on the line.
2: Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Let's talk about him really quick. Uh, eleven goals, eleven assists in thirty-four games this year. Uh, you just messaged me the other day, and somebody dropped PLD in your league. Keeper, what? keeper uh, league.
1: What? My friend Brent, you know him.
2: Oh boy. Uh, Actually, this is the same guy that told me one year that Carl Allsner <laughs> was a top ten defenseman in we'll the Just Barry and Brent.
1: I will. T- I will say Brent is. Uh, I believe Tremendous we're tied. Winston. I think. Well, he's he's a great guy, but I think he's seven and three. I'm also seven and three in that league. So I, I believe we're so tied. So his team for, so good for,
2: that he dropped Dubois?
1: I don't know if any team is that good, especially in a no. keeper league. Um, and I, it, it's also worth adding that uh, our league does have a utility spot. So the straight center eligibility doesn't hurt you as much as it would in another league. Um, I love but yeah, the ownership overall is taking a bit of a hit. It's not just Brent. Okay. Uh, I, I think in redraft leagues uh, without a utility spot, you can consider moving on from Dubois. Like in the DFO league we're in, um, with a bunch of the uh, most loyal users of the daily faceoff website. Uh, it's 12 team league standard scoring uh, with no utility spots. So those straight center guys become really hard to play. Dylan Larkin gets left on my bench a lot of the nights, you know? Um, He's been disappointed. Well, yeah, we could have talked about it here, but uh, so yeah, I think in those kind of leads, it, it, it's hard to uh, justify hanging on to Dubois. And I think you could probably get a lot of streaming value out of that spot, uh, a lot more streaming value out of that spot. Uh, but I think in keeper leagues or leagues with a little bit more lineup flexibility. He needs to be owned. Assist totals are down, which obviously isn't terribly surprising with and gone, uh, but the shot volume is up still on pace for 27 goals. He's going to continue to be heavily utilized in all situations. I like him moving forward, um, but I can understand the rationale in, uh, like I said, non-utility redraft leagues, uh, but in a keeper league with the utility spot, I don't quite understand it, Brent.
2: Um. So his his goal production, even though the shooting percentage is down, the shot volumes come up, and the goal production is right on par uh, with what he did a season ago. And like you said, the assists are down a little bit, but this guy has even with the injuries to this roster has continued to produce. Uh, I love PLD. uh yeah. To me. I think, that And we, a, we
1: talked about him before the year as someone that you had to be obviously expecting a bit of a fallback.
2: Well, here, I mean, but. 12.2 on shooting percentage last year with Perrin, but I still think that he's a guy that will be right around 30-30. Uh, he's kind of on pace for, I think, 27-27, but I think that there's a little bit more there. Uh, we, I've seen it a buzz on Twitter, uh, especially when you're searching through um, Blue Jackets reporters and Blue, Jacks, Blue Jackets Twitter is – there is better things, better days to come with this team. Right now, they are playing among the best defensive hockey in the yeah. NHL, but they're also just being buried in terms of shooting percentage. And the puck is gonna start going to circle in. And they're a team um, that, if you can get a good number on to bet to make the playoffs right now, I think they're a team that has got a lot of sneaky value here. Yeah. A little and bit reminiscent is, of the Blues
1: last year. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's that kind of upside
2: on No, they, they don't have the, the high end. Um, Upside that they do, but they're a very strong four checking team. We saw how to get Corposalis
1: put a lot better than I think a lot of us expected.
2: Well, I think that is kind of just it goes hand in hand with how good they've been defensively. They've been limiting teams, they've been limiting teams, and they've been doing it without Wawenski. He just got back. It's it's unbelievable. Dean Kukan stepped up, and they were like the best defensive team in hockey. It, It makes no sense. I think there's so many better days ahead for Blue Jackets fans and that team in general. I really like PLD uh, moving forward, but let's go to the next forward on our list. Uh, Jack Hughes. Oh, Jack Hughes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Don't Mm -hmm. want to pat myself on the back too hard here. Uh, but if you recall, I did say Hughes was worth dropping in redraft leagues just a few weeks into the season. He promptly had a three point night, uh, the very next day. But that being said, uh, he has really tailed off. Nothing's really changed since we last spoke about him, uh, except for the fact that he lost Taylor Hall. Uh, So obviously that's going to be a tremendous hit to his upside. He's still not playing a whole lot. Should have sent him to the world juniors too. (laughs) I'm kidding. Struggling on even strength. Supporting cast is very, very weak. Straight center eligibility just absolutely kills his value. Should really only be owned in keeper uh, or very deep leagues at this point. If you're doing redraft, I'm I'm talking 16 teams or more. Uh, I just, you know, there's really nothing encouraging here uh, for Jack Hughes. That makes me think in standard 12 team redraft leagues, he's worth owning moving forward.
2: I keep holding on to him in our daily face, hopefully, because I'm just like someone's got to give. Like he's got to be, he's the number one pick. Like he's so much talent. Someone's got to give eventually. This fuck hasn't happened. Like it's not gonna happen. He's, he's terrible. Well, he's, uh, at this point he's, in this rookie like, wait, season, eighteen, like, nineteen. Yeah. He's
1: got plenty of years to develop and work on his two way game. And hopefully the team gets a little bit better around him. Hopefully the power play gets better, and all these things uh, will help his peripheral numbers. But I just can't. It, it, you can't bet on all that happening this year. Uh, and you need to move on, okay? <laughs> Maybe so, since, I don't think you can I get think, much. In a I trade think from since like point, the uh,
2: I think since like the day you said to drop him, the following day he had a goal and an assist, and we were like, "Ooh, you're stupid." Uh, since that day, though, four assists, no goals in sixteen games. Oh, is that one? The goal and two assist night? Well, whatever. In his last 16 games, he has four assists. There you go. Uh, 33 shots. Obviously, he's shooting 0% on 33 shots. You'd expect that to turn around. <laughs> um, I, To me, though, I still think, I really do think that you could trade this guy for something.
1: For what? What What
2: do you... Like, I don't know what, because <laughs> I'm on a stupid owner. But I think that you, like, if I offered somebody that it does depends. you got to know your league, yeah. right? If you, you know, there's always that one guy that loves prospects, even if it's in a redraft league. Yeah.
1: do you, We should maybe talk about his keeper value a bit, though. How do you feel about him moving forward after Oh, I this think season?
2: he's going to be a stud still.
1: I think, you know, if we were just Like, we're not
2: looking about, at Casey Middlestad. The, if,
1: yeah. I think if we were just looking at that this guy as, you know, maybe a late first-round pick or someone who was first-round pick a couple of years ago and he's getting his first full run in the NHL. You look at a guy who's shooting two shots a game, playing 60 minutes a night... Uh, as a what 18 year old, there's obviously a lot of upside and a lot of room to grow here. Moving forward Um, reminds you of some of the younger guys that we've kind of pegged uh, breaking out um, in, in the years past. So I I think there's a lot of upside uh, and he's definitely still a very valuable asset in keeper leagues. It's disappointing. You're not getting more out of him this year uh, because in keeper leagues, you probably took him with the first pick or somewhere near it. Um, So obviously that's disappointing, but you got to be patient with him in keeper formats uh, because you don't want to be looking at him in, Two or three years, and he's up to a point per game guy as a 21, 22-year-old. Thinking about what could have been.
2: Let's try a little exercise then. Real quick, we had not prepared any of this, but who would you rather have in a keeper league? Jack Hughes or Rupe Hintz? Jack Hughes. Would you rather have Jack Hughes or Vincent Trocek? Jack Hughes. Would you rather have Jack Hughes or Cabo Caco? Jack Hughes. Would you rather have Jack Hughes or Bo Horvat?
0: Mm.
1: Jack Hughes. Yeah. I'm I right think there. the upside is still there. I think there's I think still is a serious same upside. Same here. I, I think I if, you, if you're if you looking at a long term forecast, what we've seen out of Jack Hughes is actually really encouraging so far. Yeah. Uh, you look at, you know, the possession numbers are very bad and the, you, you don't expect him to get better this season, but he's been a positive relative player. And we talked about how bad the team is around him. Um, so I do still think he's a player you can build around. I I think he can be the focal point of an offense. And I, I think definitely as he gets a little bit bigger, uh, the size and he gets a little more adapted to the size difference in the NHL. Um, and takes on some more minutes. Obviously he's not going to be playing 60 minutes a night for his whole career. Yeah. Um, and he's already, like I said, already at half point per game pace, already shooting two shots per game. So no, he's not going to be the Elias Pettersson uh, or some of the other guys we've seen in r- recent years, make a huge splash as a rookie. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, the next three, two to three, four years forecast is still very strong for Jack Hughes.
2: I agree. 100%. Um,
1: All right. How do you feel about capo Caco though? The next guy on this list. Last forward.
2: We're going to talk about Kapokako when we get back from the break. You
1: want uh, to do the break right before the last forward.
2: All right, let's talk about Capo You know what I'm really saying? Good. All right, Kapokako. Uh, I like Capocacco a lot. I think he's shown some really good things this year. Yeah. Uh, the one real issue I have with Capocacco is that they just don't seem to trust him enough. He bounces around that lineup like it's going out of style. David Quinn shows him on the first line. And he plays great. And then he plays on the second line. And he plays great. And then he goes to the fourth line out of fucking nowhere, inexplicably. Yeah. Um, they just don't trust him enough for him to be a reliable fantasy asset. I mean, we see him on the top uh, power play unit from time to time. Uh, I mean, like, you've got December 10th. He played 19 minutes and 7 seconds. He had 8 shots on goal. Yeah. But then, 3 games later, he played 11-28. They just don't trust him. They're not using him effectively enough for him to really yeah. return enough value
1: yeah you can't rely on him uh in redraft leagues uh obviously i would stress the same thing we just went on about hughes. hughes yeah i think Caco's a little bit below hughes upside just based off what we've seen in these first you know 30 40 games of their career yeah um but i'm not owning him in uh standard redraft leagues
2: yeah i mean the 57 shots 10.5 shooting percentage uh six goals through 31 games you know this is exactly kind of yeah and not to um, mention it's
1: not the quite like the typical scenario of a first round pick where uh you know there might not be that much depth as a position there's a lot of quality wingers yeah. in New York that command top six minutes and you know top power play time as well
2: so. I just to me like they he's looked so good in small samples,
1: yeah, it's very encouraging on the time.
2: top line, and it's, it's, I just it's don't disappointing
1: understand. in keeper leagues because, like I said, you probably spent a top oh for sure, five at least a first round pick in him, and they just on bury how many him keepers in your league, uh, and you're not getting anything out in this year. But you got
2: to be patient. But like, okay, if you're David Quinn, sure, what the fuck is the point? I don't know. In playing him with Brendan Smith, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. I
1: what? might as
2: well send him to the World Juniors. There's a lot another. of coaches
1: where I think. Uh, you know, I can definitely see a lot of logic and a lot of reasoning in the things that they do. David Quinn's one of those guys who, I don't I know, I think why for he's the most part, just throws sh- shit at the board and, him? and sticks. Him, I Travis no Green, idea. and Jim I,
2: Montgomery are all. And, I, and Jeff Blasher, who's been better this year. I can. Those I'm four. not a
1: psychiatrist. I've never had a conversation with Travis Green. I can confidently diagnose him as having ADD. Because I swear to God, that guy just gets bored and cannot have the same top 12 two games
2: in a row. He was just like, "Yo, the- Jake Vertanen, you're with Pedersen tonight." They- just kidding. Actually, Besser, you're back on the top. They could oh, Besser, now you're with Horvath Oh no, just kidding. Besser, you're back yeah. with. That was their last four. They games. could
1: win ten nothing three games in a row, and the lineup's going to change every single game.
2: Yeah, he's he's ridiculous. Quinn's the same way. Quinn changes every game. It's like, okay, uh, Zibanejad, you're our center, and Panarin, you're a left yeah. winger. That's the only thing. I also have
1: a theory that if you know you're going to be like a top ten team in the NHL and you know you're going to cruise until uh, home home ice advantage and, and maybe the first or even second round. I think there's a lot of uh, value in juggling your lineup very consistently so everyone gets comfortable playing with each other because come playoff time, you never know who's going to be healthy. You never know what you're going to need to go to, but I don't think Vancouver uh, is that kind of team.
2: I just like when you see as much success as you have with a, f- a certain line, like yeah. I don't know why, like yeah, you go through a couple games spell, but like you know these guys. Yeah. But you I, I, you know what
1: I mean? Like I'm surprised that we see teams like Boston uh, play Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak together every single game that they're healthy uh, because I there's no guarantee that you're not going to need a third person playing with them for game 82. So I, I'm just surprised we don't see that more often. I think there are a lot of coaches that look to do that figure it out. and look to build chemistry up and down the lineup for no reason. Uh, but Travis Green, I, I really think, just gets bored.
2: Travis Defenseman, Green. let's take a break. Yeah, let's head over to the Blue Stones. Uh, but of course, this Episode and every episode is brought to you by our friends at Odd Shark. Uh, Odd Shark has literally everything you need in you know if you want to make a bet, whether it's hockey, baseball uh, when it's the spring, uh, or football. We've got the NFL playoffs coming up. Obviously, hockey is kind of winding down here as we head towards Christmas. But anything you want from Odd Shark, they've got analysis, write ups, numbers, anything you want to just kind of skew you one way or the other. And then every single game, they they provide a pick for you. Um, so if you're up on the fence? You want to spend some money? Uh, Odd Shark has everything you need to make that sharp bet. So head over to Odd Shark and start betting like a shark today. And let's fire it over to the Blue Stones. and we'll see you back here in sixty seconds. Baby
0: be my fire. Baby be
1: Welcome back to Season 5, Episode 18 of the Daily Face-Up Podcast. A very Andreas Janssen episode of the podcast, brought to you by Odd Shark. As always, hope you enjoy those sweet, sweet riffs, licks from the Bluestones. Riffs and licks. Uh, check them out, Apple Music, Spotify. New video coming out, I think. He was just tweeting about it. Um, he can fill us in. He said he talked to another one of the guys at the gym. So He'll fill us in. Yeah. Uh, moving right along into these uh, buy lows or sell while you still can. Sell while. Uh, just went through the bulk of the forwards. If there's anyone else that you guys think is really underperformed and disappointed you uh, from where you took them on draft day, feel free to reach out at us on Twitter, at DFO Podcast, at Brock Segan, at 3 d or at Uh We'll be happy to uh, help you out or maybe just talk it out. You know, a bit of a therapeutical thing. <laughs> it. Probably just need to talk about it. Uh, so we'll get right into the defenseman here, and there's no better one to start with when you're talking about disappointing fantasy blue liners than Mr. Brent Burns. Uh, long thought thought to be one of the most consistent and safest picks uh, in fantasy hockey Brent Byrne is finally falling off it seems like age might finally be catching up to him Uh, Brock what say you where do you stand on the one the only Mr. Brent Burns?
2: I think Buchner is going to be huge for him Um, also shout out to Boogs
1: right, we lot he gave up the job so we could get Joel Quenville, a Windsor Alert, back into the coaching sphere because uh, he knew less than, you know, six months, eight months, whatever it was later.
2: He, he was going to take over another Windsor Alert. Right
1: back. So now we got two Windsor coaches back in the NHL, all is as it should. And then DJ Smith coaching the Sens, who was on Bob Boogner's coaching staff, when the Spits, won back-to-back Memorial Cups with Taylor Hall on the roster. This is Ryan all just Ellis coming gone. full
2: circle. The God.
1: Full circle episode of the DFO podcast. Yeah.
2: Um, no, I, I think that there's a lot to be excited about when you talk about Brent Burns. Sure. Uh, right now. Obviously, this entire season to this point has been disappointing. Uh, but since Bob Boogner has taken over, uh, you know, just just a casual 28 minutes, 26 minutes, 27 minutes uh, for Brent Burns. Uh, usage has just been insane. All three of those games is over three minutes more than he was playing. Uh, before Bugner was hired in those games, he's had ten shots, uh, six in his most recent game. Uh, the, I drafted Brent Burns this year, first time ever. Uh,
1: first round, second round, where were we at? Uh,
2: I think, actually, I got him in the third round. That's like the only reason I took him. That's late. Him. I think he yeah. was
1: around 15 to 20. Yeah, uh, I think I
2: had... Um, I think I had, like, a middle pick, too. I think I had the sixth round, sixth pick, and I drafted him with the third. Like, I got him fairly late, and that's the only reason I did it. Um, but, like, I've never really had him. Like, you know, except for maybe I picked him up when he played forward back in the day. Uh, <laughs> but, like, no, I've never really had him, so I probably broke him. Uh, but still, this guy's got 100 shots in 36 games. Not quite the pace we're used to seeing out of him. But I think this coaching change is going to help a lot. Bugner has been he- relying heavily on Brent Burns and... Eric Carlson, uh, we've seen them featured on the top power play unit together at times. I just, if I own him, like there is, there's no sense in trading him. You're probably right. There's no sense. Like it can't get worse, and you're not going to get anywhere close to the value you're going to get. Uh, and you know the, you know the everyday owner is going to look and see that he's a minus twenty three, and, like, and then I'm going to be like, you're an idiot because you looked at plus minus. Um, but you're never going to get the value and he can only get better. And if he does get better, like it's entirely possible that he finishes the rest of the season as the best defenseman in hockey. Like in fantasy hockey.
1: Right, but you're not trading like if you have John Carlson, you're not trading John Carlson for Ben Burns at this time. Absolutely. Point. not. No. Right.
2: Uh I'm just saying like if you're holding if you're holding yeah. if you hold on to him with the first 36 games, there's no point yeah, I, in it's, selling him now.
1: It's interesting to talk about because, you know, I I think worst case scenario, Burns is still a top 10, top 15 fantasy defenseman for the rest of the season. Uh, So we're still talking about a guy that is a a legitimate number one fantasy D man. Uh, But there are some red flags here. The shot production is down, uh, which, you know, isn't terribly surprising to see at a guy at his age at 35 Mm -hmm. uh, tends to be when that kind of offensive production starts to slow down Um, after four straight seasons with 300 plus shots. Uh, soon to be 35 years old. He's on pace for just 222 this year. Uh, Like we said, still a very impressive mark for a D-man, but it's not the type of shot volume you're expecting when you draft him as high as he did. Uh,
2: The last four years were fucking insane.
1: Yeah. Possession numbers are also concerning. 45.6, negative 6.2 relative Corsi. Both would be career lows. He's never had a negative Corsi in any of his previous eight years in San Jose. Uh, So that's basically been the whole time he's been a full-time defenseman. Uh, Sharks are as a whole, are a lot worse defensively this year. And the goaltending is brutal. So that plus minus likely is going to continue to be an issue. So you got to uh, take that in consideration if you're in a plus minus league. Uh, and he's on pace for just 50 points despite a three, 13.4 on-extreme percentage. Um, so I, I think it just depends what you can get for Burns at this point. If someone has given you adequate value uh, and you have uh, maybe some other strong options on the blue line where moving Burns isn't going to hurt you too much, I think I would go for it because I don't think.
2: What are you gonna get for? The
1: upside is the same that it was. I don't know. I think people still look at his production, the the points in, in the games played. it's he's on points for fifty, and uh, you know they'll see the name value, especially in redraft leagues, uh, and be moving to move a quality or willing to move a quality piece. And like I said, I think you gotta. Uh, it, it just depends on the team you have. If Burns is by far your best defenseman and it's a steep fall off and it's really a weakness for you, obviously you don't want to look to move him. But uh, if you maybe drafted some guys. Like a Uh,
2: Kale McCarr a little bit later. Yeah, some guys that are exactly
1: some guys like that that are really overperforming and you can rely on for the rest of the year. Then I think you can still look at moving Burns and you probably can still get uh, some decent value for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I just—I just don't think we're. I it'd don't. It'd be think, so hard to put a number on, like or like a value on Brent Burns right now.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was. So I if, don't
2: think he's going to shoot 330 times this year. Yeah, I think but this is at, it. If we're at, talking
1: about the bell curve of Burns' career, he's past the peak. I don't even think at
2: he's going at his current shot volume. You know, he could super easily still score. Ten goals the rest of the year. I know, but we, and if they start figuring things out, I yep. still think he you know is very yep. easily a number one defenseman. I I just, that, that's what I said. He's still I, a but top I ten. But I just 15. don't think you would ever get that. Would you get that value in return? Like it'd be it'd be hard. I think I it would think be hard. you're looking
1: at a guy who gave you seventy points uh, for four years in a row. I think there's a lot of.
2: Uh, name recognition out there. Still. Yeah, I think people there's a lot put of people on that name.
1: Yeah, I think there's people that will give up assets to him, banking on him getting back to what we've seen from him the last few seasons. Uh, and I personally don't think we'll ever see that again from Burns. Just well, I mean, bit, just that like really super extrapolated 320, him.
2: 332, 300 shots. Like, yeah, uh, I I literally I don't ridiculous. think he'll get
1: 70 points in a season again. Is what I'm saying. Especially with Carlson there long term now.
2: Yeah, well the Carlson thing we saw it take a hit on his value there early in the last year, and then. Yeah, all and of a sudden he's just going to compound
1: it as he gets older, right? That's where I'm coming from here. Uh, so especially in keeper leagues, if you can still, right? I think that's where we should really be talking about it, is if you can move him oh, in a keeper, a keeper league, league yeah, as a number one defenseman. you can yeah. for him at exactly. this point.
2: Yeah. Like I'd try to package him for Kale Bakar. I think you could still try to.
1: Yeah, because I think in, you know, maybe two years time, he's probably going to be lucky to be uh, churning out a half a point per game.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's getting up there. That's what I'm 34. saying. 34. That's what I'm man, saying. Oh, man. It's like Larry Fitzgerald status.
1: Yep. Moving right along, uh, probably the person that P.K. Subban.
2: Yeah, he's we've terrible. been
1: asked about the most this year, uh, Prunel Carl Subban.
2: I told everybody not to draft him. So
1: Two uh, goals, three assists, and 33 games.
2: Yeah, everybody had this guy ranked ridiculously high. Um, the crazy thing about his year so far is he's uh, been shit and he hasn't even been hurt yet. So he's going to get hurt eventually <laughs> and just be uh, not available to your roster. Uh, this team is going nowhere. He's not on the top power play unit on their team. Uh, he is shooting just two point seven percent, so you could see some positive regression on a shooting percentage to seven point four percent. So both things that we look for uh, for a player to bounce back, but a player like PK Subban not playing on your top power play unit, I just don't see how he bounces back. I, I picked him up off of waivers in the DFO league a couple weeks ago. I was excited about it. I'm like, this shit's gonna get better. It didn't at all. I fucking dropped him today. He's shit.
1: Yeah. I. He's shooting, like you said, 2.7%. Uh, I'm really not expecting a ton of aggression there. I think he's like a 7% uh, career shooter in his average. So he's always been a little bit above average from the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's obviously always been a little more reliant on his goal production as uh, opposed to assists um that 7.4 you know it's a little bit low but his career marks 8.7 so i don't think we can really see No, yeah it.
2: it's not gonna go too much higher
1: and we talked about how bad this surrounding cast is when we talked about jack hughes uh he played himself off the top power play unit you talked about that it's gonna be a long season if he needs to rely on his 5v5 production the devils are a terrible team at even strength um so yeah I, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's worth owning at this point. well yeah like so, so i think so- if you can get absolutely anything for him you should move him as this curr- is the as- sell while you still can. This yes,
2: this is the biggest sell while you still can. Uh, but if not, just drop while you still can. <laughs> Run far, far away. Uh, at his current shot volume, if he shoots at his career, 6.0 shooting percentage, uh, we're really only looking at maybe six to seven goals rest of season for him. So we're talking exactly. about a guy who's finishing for... Uh, with eight goals on the year, he's only got three assists in thirty three games. It's it's fucking disgusting. It's putrid. It's embarrassing. Yeah, and it doesn't like
1: a begin. this guy's a top <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's gonna get a lot better than the assist because oh, it was never a strength of his on ice percentage, I don't think we can expect a ton of a regression there. And he's played himself off a top power play unit on what was already a pretty poor power play.
2: Yeah, Sammy Vadin if, if Sammy Votten is knocking you off top power play units at this point, uh, yeah. you're you're useless. Yeah.
1: Mark Giordano, um not been
2: another guy that's just on the wrong side of the age curve
1: right and maybe not as um, disappointing as a guy like pk suban but certainly disappointed for where he might have been drafted uh he's got four goals 13 assists and 36 games played so he's just a tad under half a point per game he should continue to be a starting d-man in fantasy hockey Mm uh in my point of view but i I think we know at this point that last year's 74 point season yep let me remind you giordano 74 had 74 points last year it was a bit of an anomaly um if you can trade him to someone who still looks at him as the elite fantasy d-man he was last season then i would definitely move him otherwise i think you just have to hold pat on giordano um that power play should still be above average he still gets some decent production there he's still a strong 2 a player uh but i think it last year was kind of the situation where absolutely everything bent uh his way um every single bit of puck like he could have gotten he got the power play uh was one of the best in the league all season and that's really not something that's sustainable year to year uh no matter how talented your team is so i i don't think we're going to see him get back anywhere near around that pace so if you can get someone who's going to pay uh pay up for him as if he is still that defenseman do it otherwise i, I think you just got to hold on to him uh and be happy with what you get out of giordano
2: yeah um The power play production for that entire roster uh, just isn't there. They were at 19% last year. It's dropped a full 2% this year. The whole Flames team just really, like, every time I go to their line combos page, I'm just like, how do you get any value out of any of these guys other than maybe Matt Kachuk and Lindholm at this point? Monaghan struggling. I mean, they played better. They're still putting up points with this new ridiculous configuration. Um but just the team as a whole just doesn't seem to be as scary as they were last year. I yeah. still think that they've got enough talent to do it. They just aren't the same team they were last year. And like it seemed like last year they were able to do the amount of damage that they were able to do and by firing on all cylinders. And that just isn't the case this year. I mean, we don't have their premier talent lighting it up and and, and the prime a prime example is Giordano. Um He's obviously been a guy that's been as steady as can be for years, but, I mean, 38 points two years ago, 39 yeah. the year before that, like, it's just, those are the years he can have. Yeah, and last um, year,
1: I mean, I think he was a 35 years old last year, but it did really seem to come yeah. out of nowhere. Um, and while the underlying numbers looked relatively strong, uh, you still cast a lot of doubt about a guy his age able to repeat that kind of season.
2: But I still think he has the chance, if they can kind of figure it out, to become a number two fantasy defenseman still. uh, Because the assist assist totals are still pretty good. 13 and 36 games is solid. Um, The goal production is is obviously declined a little bit. um, But the 4.7 shooting percentage is is still, you know, relatively decent for, uh, you know, compared to, you know, your average defenseman, but, uh, 7.3 career shooter. So there is room for him, I think, to still get to double digits and goals with like 30 to 35 assists, if all kind of bounces his way and, and, and improves, they improve. And, you know, we're still talking about 45 to 50 points, which, um, is obviously yeah, still so a number just, two. It all comes down just, to what
1: you can get for him.
2: But I, and I think, though, that this was reflective in a lot of projections that you saw this year. Like, nobody was expecting him to be a 74 point player again. For sure.
1: But I think a lot of people were probably expecting him to be closer to 55, maybe even 60 points. Yeah. Uh, then 40.
2: Yeah. But yeah, he's, uh, he's struggled for sure.
1: For sure. Uh, John Klingberg, two goals, eight assists, and 28 games played. Uh, there's a lot of red flags here. The shot volume's down. The possession rates are down. Uh, on our shooting percentage isn't terribly low. Uh, and Klingberg, uh, like Subban, has played himself off the top power play unit. Um, back there, I, I think you said right, Heiskanen had taken it. Uh, yeah, he
2: was back there the other night. I don't know what happened tonight.
1: So Heiskanen uh, had kind of taken over for the last few weeks. Um, and it looks like they might be going back to Klingberg there. Um, but it's you know it, it's not a great time to be a Klingberg owner. I have him in one of my leagues. Uh, you definitely can't drop a, a guy with his upside, but it's hard to imagine... Uh, It getting much better for him this season with everything we've seen. Um, And I think just moving forward too, just that this early in Heiskanen's career, they're looking to go to him over an extended period of time on the power play. And then Klingberg is definitely concerning for Klingberg, Uh, especially, you know, I own him in a keeper league. So (laughs) I'm, you know, I I don't know how I can can really justify keeping him uh, after this season. Right. Um, Because it really does seem like it's going to be Heiskanen's show. Uh, sooner than later. So I think Klingberg's time as an elite fantasy defenseman uh, is really numbered here. Uh, Heiskanen's time seemed to be coming a little bit faster than maybe you would have thought. And again, Klingberg's just a guy that I I don't think you can really rely on his 5v5 production um, to justify rostering him in standard leagues. So uh, you got to be looking at moving him. You're not going to get a a whole lot for him right now, but maybe you can find someone with a really really, weak blue line who's desperate Uh, and maybe wants to believe in the upside of Klingberg, you can get some decent value for him. But otherwise, I think it's kind of similar to Giordano, where you just kind of got to hold on to him uh, and get what you can out of him, because I don't think you're going to find a lot of better options on the wire at this point either.
2: Yeah, the one thing about him is just obviously you alluded to it. There's just so much competition. Uh, I mean, we're talking about you're battling with, like, the only other person with just, you know, this comparable of competition is Brent Burns with Eric Carlson. Yeah. Uh, but they've shown the, they've shown the willingness to play both of them together. Yeah, And even the SCN. stars don't, it's one or the other. And yeah. if you're, if you're with Segan Ben Radulov, you're great. If you're with Yanmar, yeah. Faxa and Guryanov, you're not getting any points in the power play. Yeah. Um, there's just too much competition and it, it, it's too, it moves too much. It's, it's so fluid. Um, it, it can be two games there, two games not. And it's just very difficult to bank on consistent production for him. To me, though, I still I still think there is some value there. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself in terms of saying, you know, you can't really trade Burns for value, but you can trade Klingberg for value. But uh, I just think that Burns' value was so high at the start of the year you could have traded him for, you know, King's ransomware at this point. Not so much. Yeah, uh, and it's Klingberg, unfortunate, too, that they're think... both
1: right-handed defensemen because mm-hmm. we're probably not going to see them playing together. Yeah, so it's going to come into the point where it's one or the other that's playing with Esalen which is their clear-cut top option on the left side. Yes. And yeah, I think I mean, eventually gonna is going
2: to win that. just... But great on the second pair with, like, Roman Polak. Like yeah, but uh, you so can make the brilliant. argument
1: that Klingberg could, too, you right? Could and simply, it, yeah. when it comes to the upside Heisken of the, the team, good. yeah, I think eventually it's going to be Heiskanen. Oh, yeah, so. Heiskanen is just... Uh, yeah, I just think Klingberg's time is a bit numbered here. I yeah. think is going to start putting up the kind of numbers that we see from oh, Klingberg uh, real, over the last few years.
2: Real nervous to talk about this next guy.
1: Matt Dumba. Uh I'll let you take the lead here.
2: Yeah, just not that good. Uh, Three this goals, year.
1: seven assists and thirty-five
2: games. Yeah, um, the real value with Matt Dumba was uh, goal production. Uh, I I apologize to anybody that I you know I definitely burned uh, <laughs> this preseason. Uh, I said you know he what, it was kind of my long shot bet was that he could uh, lead the NHL in goals uh, from from defensemen. I know I I said I would put some money on him outscoring. Brent Burns this year, uh, which, you know, that one doesn't look so bad. Uh, But scoring the most goals from a defenseman obviously doesn't look great. Uh, You know, the shooting percentage, though, has really been what has uh, hurt Dumba this year. Shooting just 3.8%. But the shot volume is still really solid. It's not really solid. Yeah, like it's not quite... Uh, the same that we, we, we saw last year. Last year was kind of just uh, insane, but still on pace for 185 yeah, shots. And last year was a
1: limited sample size, too. Yeah, and oh yeah, he got teams. hurt, exactly. Uh,
2: but still, like uh, you know, at 185 shots, uh, this is definite uh, 15 to 20 goal upside with that kind of shot from a defenseman. Uh, so... I still think that there's a lot of value here. Uh, Dumba, unlike John um, John Klingberg or Brent Burns, doesn't quite have that name recognition with the average fan, the average uh, player. So there's no real opportunity to sell while you still can. This is just a wait-and-see approach. Uh, and, and we've seen that the Wild kind of come out and just basically call Matt Dumba out recently. Uh, the coaching staff is... Uh, they need more out of them. They need more. Dumba has struggled this year, uh, but still the usage is, is top notch. Uh, the balanced approach that they kind of use for their top, uh, for, sorry, not their top, but their power play units, yeah. is it hurts Dumba in a way because he can't have that like pure number one power play exposure to their top offensive weapons. But at the same time, even while he's like been struggling, he really can't get. Demoted anywhere, he's still kind of going to see the same amount of minutes that he's always seen, and he's still, you know, firing just as many shots. So, uh, to me, there is a lot of bounce back potential here,
1: yeah, for sure. It's just I, the,
2: the, the signs are there that, that yeah, I definitely think improve.
1: it's it's got to be a wait and see approach with Matt Demma. Last defenseman on the list, uh, Mr. Tyson Berry, three goals, 12 assists, and 35 games played. Obviously, uh, you know, things are looking a little bit more positive than they were for Tyson Berry before Mike Babcock was fired and Sheldon Keefe came on. Uh, One of Keefe's, you know, very first moves as head coach was to move Berry to the top power play unit, Uh, and that's something that stuck even as Mitch Martyr came back. Morgan Riley actually has gotten the boot to the second power play unit. The one thing that's uh, not even concerning, just disappointing, the Leafs are basically, I think they're under one power play a game since Keefe has taken over. So we haven't seen... Barry get a ton of ice time on that top power play simply because at least haven't drawn a ton of penalties, Um, but still pretty encouraging. He played three straight games over twenty or uh, sorry two straight games under twenty three minutes before he got hurt uh, in the game against Edmonton last Saturday, uh, and then a game against Buffalo early in the week. It seems like they kind of maybe capped his ice time a little bit. Uh, Yeah, he's
2: actually playing like almost two minutes less under keith but he's seen more power play time
1: well again because one of the games he played two minutes and then he played oh in, that's right yeah, that, yeah and then he oh, played yeah.
2: 19 minutes last game
1: when he came back because like i said they were yeah, uh, an uh, they were up the but game yeah. got close at the end they were up four one and then it kind of came back and then i think it was probably
2: a little sorry bit, prior to that he was actually playing about the same amount of ice time. yeah, yeah like with i said power play one exposure
1: yeah and like i said before the injury had two straight games over 23 minutes of ice time which is super uh encouraging
2: for barry owners um, Eight points in 12 games, three goals, five assists in 12 games yeah. since the coaching changes. I,
1: I think we can, you can be pretty superficial about this, and it's fine. You really, there's really no point in moving Tyson Berry right now. You should really wait and see um, what kind of effect uh, him being on that top power play unit and with Sheldon Keith being there has on his production. It's been positive so far. He had two assists last game. Uh, so he's looked a lot better since Keefe took over, and obviously he's getting more opportunity. Uh, so unless someone's kind of overpaying for the production that he's given you to this point... Uh, I don't think it's a great time to be moving Tyson Berry.
2: Yeah, uh, the shot volume since Keith took over, obviously is uh, a fairly small sample, just 12 games, but that shot volume is literally the exact same as what he had last year in Colorado, which was a career-high 218. He's on pace for 219. Uh, if you extrapolate those numbers over 82 games, so similar shot volume to what he had in sh- in Colorado last year, which turned out to be uh, a career-high, tied career-high with 14 goals, and then also posted 45 assists. Um There's just if you're playing with uh, if you're playing with with uh, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner on that top power play unit, lots of to like. Um, It's just it's a matter of just whether or not he plays on the top power play unit uh, moving forward. Yeah, Uh, that's really where a lot of his value is going to lie. But the usage is great. It's great to see. uh, It's great to see that Sheldon Keefe has really entrusted him. Uh, with this role, we talked about maybe there being potential that both of them end up on the top power play together, uh, that being Barry and Riley. We've seen that a little bit, but not. Uh, it's been kind of Barry's show, which is nice to see for Barry owners. Uh, I still, you know, we both kind of came into this year not loving Barry or not loving Riley's uh, output at kind of where they were being ranked uh, because right. it's it, very similar to the Burns-Carlson situation. <laughs> it just, yeah, you can't both just be gods. Uh, <laughs> only one of you kind of can be, and it's... You know, it's been that case almost to a T so far this for year. sure. But uh, let's talk about some weekend streamers. Uh, I'm just going to quickly start here uh, because the New York Rangers play Friday, Sunday, and I was able to pick up Chris Kreider in one of my leagues. Uh, actually, the DFO League. Uh, good news for, for me. Uh, they got the Leafs uh, tomorrow <laughs> and the Ducks on Sunday, both on home ice. Uh, we've seen the Leafs be kind of susceptible to giving up offense, and, and we know that the Ducks... Um, you know, the Ducks can obviously give up goals. The good news, too, there is that the Ducks would be on the tail end of a back-to-back, so we'll most likely see Ryan Miller in that second game. So a lot of opportunity for New York Rangers to put up some points this weekend. So Chris Kreider is obviously one name um, that it would be readily available. So far, he's been playing with Mika Zibanejad. Uh, actually, I had recent lines, but I, I don't have them on me right now, so I can't remember what they were this morning.
1: Uh, but ca- just to stay on that, Capo yeah. um right around that same ownership range. I, I too, would want uh, Kreider... Uh, before I could get a guy like Capo. Uh, but right now, you got Krider's advantage at Vast on that top line, Panner and Strome, Brendan Lemieux on the second line, uh, and Kako's actually falling to the fourth line. So, I didn't see that, so let's chill it on the Capo Well, though, talk. they changed
2: their lines today. I can't remember what they were. I'll have to. I'll update them. You uh, will. I'll to. update everybody tomorrow.
1: Um... So, yeah, Ryan Strom, again, a guy that's floating right around that same 50% ownership range. I
2: think uh, Pavel Buchnevich right around kind of the same range, a little bit higher, but uh, Buchnevich is a guy that's, uh, you know, fairly readily available. He's he's way
1: more available, yeah. He's sitting around 20% owned. Yeah, uh, Yeah. then
2: you've got even just some other defensemen if you need help there. I think, uh, obviously... Tony D'Angelo is the primary target. Uh, He's owned in in a lot more leagues, Uh, but Adam Fox as well are two two players that I think. I just, you know, perfect schedule really for them. Two teams that they can definitely score goals against this weekend.
1: Yeah, and I believe, uh, just double checking, yeah, the only other team that's playing Friday, Sunday this week uh, is the Dallas Stars, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate because the Stars don't necessarily have. Uh, the kind of roster that lends itself, the streaming, just the, the top every nature of the roster. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Sagan, Radulov, Ben, obviously you're not going to find them on your
2: wire. Uh, if you're in a super deep league, though, and you want to get uh, desperate with it, that third line really has been very good at 5v5 this year. Uh, if you, maybe you will want to pick up, like, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but, like, a Blake Como. I think... there I, ha- I, There is some... I mean, if we're going
1: to be ridiculous about this, I think I'd go Radic Faxa first, just because yeah, you know well, he's yeah, going to play a lot of penalty kill time as well. Yeah, and then there's always that long shot be at a sub 5% chance that he gets some sort of uh, shorthanded production. But
2: I don't. Uh, think, you know he's going to play a lot of minutes. I don't think so. we can overlook a guy like Corey Perry either. Uh, obviously, the minutes aren't there. The usage has not been great. Still seeing power play time, though. Like, if you're in a deep league and you're really desperate... Uh, him and Garionov make a little bit of sense just because yeah. of the schedule. You're going to be able to play both of them if that's kind of your only option.
1: Yeah, and uh, Rupehans, Standard Leagues, mm-hmm. still just 36% owned, so Which he's going to be available he, in a lot of leagues.
2: He's cooled off a lot, obviously, since the ridiculous Yeah, uh,
1: I think Pavelski's probably sitting around 80, so if you're in one of those leagues where the owner's already given up on Pavelski, he's worth at least a stream this weekend. Uh, and then Matthias Janmark in the deepest of leagues, or if you're just desperate, trying to get an extra couple of games in. Uh, he's... Apparently 0% owned. I'm sure someone has him, but uh, 0% owned. And I believe he's playing the third wheel to Hinson Pavelski right now. Um, So not, like I said, not a lot of great options on Dallas you might even want to look at a guy like Esalen Dell at this point yeah. Uh, who doesn't see the most power play time but at least you know, you'll know be getting 23-24 minutes out of him with the potential uh, to maybe rack up some do shots somethin'. maybe hits in bangers leagues uh, or come across a point or two because uh, he does play with the top six a lot at 5-5 five five as well So yeah, um, some some options for you there but uh, like not I said, a great the Stars is not an ideal team to have with a, a perfect weekend streaming schedule
2: we did kill it last week with our goalie recommendations and I'm going to go ahead and just do that again uh, i Literally won uh, – or actually, I think I came back and tied my – Jack Campbell? With uh, Jack Campbell and Ilya Samsonov yeah, last was week. But the stream of the week? But uh, so we've got Samsonov, also a terrific streaming option this week. He's already confirmed to start Friday in New Jersey. So if he's still available when you're listening to this on Friday morning, rush over the wire. Get Ilya Samsonov uh, starting in New Jersey on Friday. Braden yep. Holpe will be going Saturday against the Lightning. Uh, a guy that has been absolutely – Terrible, simply horrendous for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. <laughs> Michael Hutchinson will be starting Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings on home ice. He's been awful, no doubt about it. But if there's ever a matchup where he can show up and play half-decent, uh, you know, maybe you're in a win, wins-only league. Yeah. Maybe you're just getting absolutely decimated in the goals against and save percentage categories already, and you just want to try to claw back in wins. Michael Hutchinson should be able to win that game. The Red Wings will be on the front end of a back to back, so Johnny Bernier will be starting for them. Uh, But like, I mean, there's just no reason why Tavares and Matthews and Nylander and Marner and all the boys can't uh, just absolutely slaughter the Red Wings. They've they've done it time and time again already this season. So Hodgson should definitely be able to to win that game. Four goals and get the win easily. Yeah.
1: Um, And I think the other one worth mentioning, Ryan Miller, looks like he might get a start.
2: uh, Yeah, yeah, against the Rangers on Sunday. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't love it, but I mean, it's, if you're desperate, I think Ryan Miller is definitely a guy that one of the only yeah, few I, options you're going to have. That's what I mean. I think
1: come Sunday, I think he's probably going to be the one widely available option that's worth starting because otherwise you're looking at uh, Jimmy John Howard. Jose-
2: Jimmy Howard making his return to the NHL against yeah. Arizona on home ice is like the deepest of desperate, but like that's all. That's I would all say you're uh, have.
1: Aaron Dell versus the Golden Knights might be a little
2: bit more desperate, but uh, probably equal. Well, I expensive. would rather start you tell than Jimmy Howard. <laughs> Jimmy Howard's awful. He's been hurt for like a month. He just started two games in Grand Rapids. You know,
1: we're at the point in our lives where I like Jimmy Howard more than you do. But I know. It's uh, crazy. No, I think Ryan Miller's probably going to be your best bet
2: on Sunday. Yeah, so I, in New mind. York for sure. He yeah. uh, he just got beat by the Devils, so I don't know how he's going to beat the, the Rangers. But hey, obviously, you if could you're desperate, lose you're, the game. You're, yes, you're desperate. You're desperate. But I think but
1: he's your best bet if you're playing the odds. I think Ryan is the best widely available. Yes. Uh, spot start on
2: Sunday. But the way the schedule lines up, I think your best bet is to kind of just. Fire away on maybe a Friday start with the same yeah, off. You're right. Get ahead of you can it. Go but ahead. a lot
1: of times in goalie categories, you don't know until after the yeah, two, the already two starts you get on Saturday, right? Yeah. You're uh, and if you, if you, there's probably going to be a lot of leagues where you're losing in save percentage and goals against and you're just looking to make up a little bit of ground. And I think Ryan Miller will be. Best
2: you know what, though? Yeah. You could, you uh, could, uh, you could always have uh, like, Ryan Miller and Henrik Lundqvist going head to head on Sunday. They're probably both available, and then guarantee yourself the win. Yeah, you say fuck you save percentage. Or
1: Georgiev might even get the start again. He's starting Friday against Toronto, but he could possibly based the on start.
2: T- based on Twitter today. Georgiev shut out against Toronto tomorrow is confirmed. Like it yeah. doesn't even apparently he, he just is. loves playing against the Leafs. So well,
1: there was something like uh, he created. I forget what it was, but there was something with the Steve Dangle podcast or Steve Dangle videos where uh, Alexander Gorgiev as like a 15-year-old Bulgarian uh, hockey fan created some sort of fan website for the Maple Leafs. Um, I wish I had more info than that, but there's some weird connection there. I I swear. Interesting. He's a Leaf fan in Bulgaria. Okay. And a Steve Dangle
2: fan specifically. Wow yeah. Um, but anyways, that was season 5 episode 18 of the Daily Face Off podcast. I'm your host Brock Segan. We have Dylan D birthday. We say Merry Christmas to all of you from the three of us including Beebs Bondi who and is happy currently holiday. And yes, enjoy a happy, a happy Hanukkah, holiday. Kwanzaa, we
1: will not be back New New years, next week because it's Chinese Christmas, New Years, Macedonian
2: Christmas, all the Christmases and the New Years and all the holidays. Orthodox so enjoy Christmas. some time off. Please God. Drink some beers for us. Uh, we we know we will be. If you're eating healthy, just cheat. Yeah, cheat on your diet. It's this all about the cheat time. days. Uh, we're, not, we're not a dietary podcast, though. So enjoy the holidays. No. Uh, you know, as always, travel safe, be safe. Uh, love the fam. See you guys back here in a couple weeks where we will be talking about who knows what.
1: Peace. Don't fuck with cats. Well, I
0: heard you to all your friends. You're telling them that you need a man